Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I am Gina, and with me always is the beautiful Sonia. Hey, Gina. Hi, Sonia. Hi. Hi, how's it going? It's going okay. Yeah? You know, it's August already, which means it's getting towards the end of the summer, which is crazy. I know, right? I know. By the time this episode airs, we'll be well into fall mm-hmm. and summer will be a not so distant memory, but we but will have moved of. on, but kind of, right? Yeah. Oh, I wonder what we're doing right now. <gasps> While this episode <laughs> airs? Yeah. I'm probably teaching. I'm probably still sitting in this room. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But no. working. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it's, it's good. It's nice to be working from home, but you know, I wish I was like, you know, doing something exciting, like sailing the seven seas. Or, um, <laughs> is that winning. a dream of yours? <laughs> really not at all. So I don't know why that was my default hope, but you know, maybe I've won the lottery. Ooh. Yeah. If you win the lottery, can we go to Vegas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll make sure to put in some days for work. I'll take a few personal days and we'll go. Okay. Awesome. That's good. Interesting fact. I just watched the episode of friends where they go to Vegas. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to be talking about say anything today. Before we do that, as always, we're going to start with our friend share. So my friend share um, is a little story about something that happened to me yesterday So I was on my way home, I was driving and I was just finishing up some errands and I was probably maybe like a mile and a half, two miles from my house. I was stopped at a red light and a car pulled up next to me and they rolled down their window and they were trying to get my attention. And my immediate reaction was just ignore them, they're crazy. But then I figured, all right, let me see what's going on. So I rolled down my window and the woman in the car next to me told me that my my rear tire was almost completely flat. Oh my gosh. And I was like, Oh, okay. Thank you. And I'm thinking, well, I'm so close to the house. Let me see if I can make it. But I would say within like 500 feet, I could hear the rim of my car, the tire, you know, just like, like Uh scraping on the ground. I was like, Oh crap. So I pulled over into the Acme parking lot. And, um, and I had to wait for AAA to come. And oh, I was like, yeah. I don't need a new tire. Just put some air in it. This has happened before. And the guy's filling it up with air and it was mostly inflated. And then he, um, you know, turned the machine off and we could just hear that. Yeah. Just the, the tire just completely. So he followed me to a tire place that was like not maybe half a mile from where I was. Mm-hmm. And then I paid $200 for a new tire, which I'm, oh, uh, that's the worst is the worst. And of course they tried to upsell me and they're like, Oh, you're probably going to need to replace these two tires also. And you're going to need new pads on your brakes. And there's this problem. And I was like, yeah, just the tire, please. I'll take yeah, care of this. Fix the emergency <laughs> problem. Right. Right. Seriously. You. I had a flat tire like several years ago, I was driving my parents somewhere and I like had 
I could like the gauge went on so I could see and I thought I, I probably I think I definitely actually like panicked and called Sean and he was like you can make it to this tire place like they're the best ones around so I made it there and then they were like oh if it's just like a nail or something we can repair the tire we can just patch it up um and you don't need to get a whole new tire mm-hmm. and they couldn't find a nail. So they're like, I don't know why it's losing pressure. But then I found the nail. I was like, you um, it's right there. <gasps> you found bummed. the needle in the stack of needles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my friend share though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, tell me about your friend share. Um, well, my friend share is that I failed as a dog parent today. Um, so Jacob is old, as you know, he's 11, almost Mm -hmm. 12. And he, so he's like a little rickety in the hip area and he can't Mm -hmm. jump like he used to jump. Um, so he can't really jump onto our bed anymore. So last year we bought him stairs. Um, and we did that because he also, he had ACL surgery last year, as Mm -hmm. you may recall. And that's also why he is like, not as good of a jumper as he used to be. Hated the stairs, never used them. So then I was saying that I thought we should get him like a ramp. And then Sean was like, I think he just needs a platform. And then he'll like hop up on the platform as one step and then hop up in the bed as the other step. Okay. So the platform arrived today. He seems terrified. by (laughs) And then we had, um, we were trying to like bribe him slash train him with snacks. So he like, he like kind of got up on the platform, but then would just like stretch his neck as long as he could to try to get the snack that we had put on the bed um and then you know of course they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks but you also just can't teach a dog a trick in five seconds but I would say (laughs) we gave up pretty much because we're just like this is too hard (laughs) oh I know you're not a bad dog parent I just had a fail you had a fail that I'm not a bad parent no you had a (laughs) I, for some reason in my head, that's how I remembered you saying it, that's but fair. yeah, but you know, you just try again, just mm-hmm. try again later. He'll, he'll figure it out. We will. Yeah. I mean, and he, as you know, he's just like terrified of everything the first time he encounters it. So mm-hmm. I think we just have to practice. This can be a summer project for him and Sean. So wish us luck. Well, good luck. Thank you. And let me know how it goes. I will. Okay. Poor puppy. Um, I, I wanted to add before we talk about our drinks and say anything, I have a things that kept me up at night segment Okay. for this episode. And I actually have two of them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so our last episode, we talked about Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. And I picked Lisa Kudrow, uh, for best performance. And I asserted that her portrayal of Michelle is different from her portrayal of Phoebe, but I feel like I didn't do a really good job of explaining why. Okay. <laughs> and, and for some reason it was really bothering me that I couldn't articulate what the real difference was between the two. And I've been rewatching friends again, you know, <laughs> because as, as we do um, in our, in our lifetime, because it's just a wonderful pastime to rewatch yep. the show. And as I'm rewatching it and I'm watching Lisa Kudrow play Phoebe, I, I was able to articulate in my head. I was like, this is why. Um, so I want to just maybe hopefully explain a little better 
what the difference is between the two. I'll just feel better about it. All right. And I'll sleep better. I mean, and I know I had said that I, I, I feel that the, the voice and the inflection and some of the mannerisms are, are the same, but we also have the same actress playing these two different roles. So I think that that's feeding into it a little bit, but sure. I think the biggest difference that I, I just couldn't articulate in our last episode is that Michelle's character is extremely complacent I feel you know she's just sort of like along for the ride whereas Phoebe I think has a lot more agency mm-hmm. and I and I mentioned I kept using the word vapid which is another thing that kept me up at night that that was the word I kept coming back to for Michelle there's just something very empty about her whereas I think Phoebe is a lot more spiritual and I think that there is a distinct difference in the way she performs in the film versus the television show. And I, and I think that those were the things that I was trying to articulate, but wasn't quite saying as well as I would have liked to. I think that was a great recovery. Thank you. The other thing that kept me up at night is that I was recently watching an episode of the movies that made us on Netflix which is this docu-series and and they talk about movies and some movies that we've seen, Sonia, one of them being Pretty Woman. Wait, I'm sorry. Is this a movie about movies? It's a, it's a, it's a television. It's not a television. It's like a documentary series about the making of movies. Basically sounds like my nightmare. Oh my God. (laughs) And for me, it's like my greatest joy is learning all of this stuff. So I just watched the episode about Pretty Woman and I was really excited because I was like, well, Sonia and I did a whole episode on Pretty Woman and I probably know a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of the things that we talked about were talked about in the documentary. However, there is something that we got wrong or maybe at least I got wrong. Uh-oh. And in some of the sources that I read online, they claimed that in the original screenplay, Kit dies from a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. And on this docu-series, the actual screenplay writer said that is never part of the story. In fact, one of the original endings or one of one of the versions of the endings, which included Vivian and Edward getting into this huge fight and him being in the car and basically kicking her out of the car around the same area where they broke up or I'm sorry, not where they broke up, where they met. Mm-hmm. And then he throws the money at her and she doesn't want it. But then when he starts flying everywhere and then all of these other homeless people are excited because they see all this money and they're trying to get it. And then she's trying to gather the money. And then it ends. One of the possible endings was Vivian uh, getting on a bus with Kit and taking her to Disneyland. Cause apparently that had been a promise that she had made to Kit. Well, I feel like you were set up for failure by the internet, and I don't think that you should feel so bad about that. I guess not. But again, that just makes me mistrust the internet that much more. That's true. I don't know if anything's real. The internet lies. We're in the matrix. No. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just try to reference every single movie that we've already talked about in this episode. Okay, I've definitely got one coming up later. Okay, (laughs) I'm excited. All right, Sonia, tell me about what we're drinking today. Okay, Um, we are drinking a drink called a Purple Passion, except mine is not so purple. Gina's 
looks certainly more purple, um, but it is vodka, grape juice, cranberry juice, and grenadine. So I don't know. So, okay, rewind myself. Um, this is a drink that apparently at the party in Say Anything is what the host serves. Um, but I don't actually know if this is truly the drink that he serves, like if this is the recipe. Um, mm -hmm. I Googled it and found like a number of different recipes. This honestly was the easiest one to make. So I was like, <laughs> excellent. Um, so that is what we are having. And um, it's okay. I don't actually really like grapefruit grape fruit juice at all, nor can I say it. So I should have put in more cranberry juice. Maybe that would make it more purple. You know what? I got grape juice, not oh. grapefruit juice. Maybe that's why. <laughs> did, I think it is grapefruit juice. Are we I sure? Just, did I do it wrong? No, I think I did it wrong. How does it taste? <laughs> it tastes okay. I'm not a huge cranberry juice fan, so I don't like the sourness. I When I took my first sip, I thought I kind of wish I had maybe done instead of two ounces of cranberry juice, maybe one and a half ounces of cranberry juice, maybe thrown in a little bit more grenadine in there so it was a little sweeter. Mm -hmm. But no, I think you were correct in the grapefruit. I just went for grape. Yeah, I just looked at the text I sent you and yes. uh, it was grapefruit juice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're both just going to suffer through this purple passion. But I feel like that's like appropriate because if you're going to a party and there's like a, you know, a vat of like a mixed drink, it's like one of those ones that you make with all the liquor that's like, there's like that much left in the bottle of your parents and you just pour it all in the, in the mix, like jungle mm -hmm. juice. So I feel like this is appropriate for this episode. Yeah. I think it works. Mm -hmm. I do wonder how they get it so purple though. I don't know. I mean, the picture that we looked at of this drink wasn't that purple. So I don't know why it's called purple passion. Yeah. I don't either. Hmm. There's we'll nothing to... purple about it. There is nothing purple about it. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's not terrible. It's not the worst thing. It's not the bloody Mary that I made for our When Harry Met Sally episode. Mm -hmm. There you go. I just yep, referenced that, another one. We got that one. <laughs> I wish there was like a ding noise every time. I know, right? Ding. All right. Should we talk about the movie? Yeah, but do we want to do the Friends Connection first? Or Words? nope, nope, delete me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Say Anything was released in 1989. Written and directed by Cameron Crowe, starring John Cusack as Lloyd Doppler, Ione Skye as Diane Court, and John Mahoney as James Court, Diane's father. So in the spirit of Nope, Never Saw It, Sonia, as always, I have made a list of films that are connected to these names that I have just read off. I'm going to share these movie titles with you. If you've seen the movie, you're going to say, of course I've seen it, Gina. And if you haven't seen it, what do you say? Nope, never saw it. All right, here we go. Cameron Crowe. I have separate films for um, film titles for films that Cameron Crowe has directed and written. So we're going to start with three movies that he has directed. One of these I am pretty confident you've already told me you've seen. Okay. The first film, Singles. No, can you even believe that I have not seen that movie? I actually can't believe. That I know. I know. I'm. This is like a terrible thing that I am ashamed of. You should watch it. Of course we can watch it. We'll add it to the list. Okay. Like right 
oh you want to watch it right now yeah. <laughs> okay pause we'll come back <laughs> all right next film almost famous yes i love that movie okay and last one again this one i'm this is the one i think you've definitely seen vanilla sky um, yes, I've seen that one. I thought that Almost Famous was going to be the one that you were positive about. Oh, no, I didn't think, I don't think I've ever brought up that movie with you before. Mm-hmm. Love but, it. Okay. All right. But singles, we're going to add that to the list, especially the look on your face. I wish everybody could have seen it. You were like, I know. Hey. I'm like, really, it's really, it. I, and I don't know, like, you know, I have complete control over that. I could just watch it. You could, <laughs> you could, but then we wouldn't get to talk about it. That's true. So in the way I sort of own you right now. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This next film, this is a film that Cameron Crowe wrote the screenplay for fast times at Ridgemont high. Nope. Never saw it. Oh boy. Okay. We're definitely adding this to the list. Okay. John Cusack. Now I heart John Cusack so much. I think that I, most definitely mentioned this in our episode of stand by me. There we go. (laughs) And I do want to throw a lot of John Cusack at you, especially if there are many of the, especially if any John John Cusack films that you haven't seen. Mm -hmm. And there are a few that I already know you haven't seen, but I'm going to throw these other titles at you because I don't think that we've talked about these yet. Here we go. The sure thing. Nope, never even heard of it. Oh my goodness, it is so good. Okay, next one. Gross Point Blank. Nope, never saw it. But I was thinking about that movie in our last episode because that's isn't that one also about a high school reunion? It is, and it's mm-hmm. so good. Okay. And that wonderful um that wonderful song is in it by Faith No More. We care a lot. Yes, that is a good song. We mm-hmm. care a lot. All right next title high fidelity i think i did see that and i thought it was really boring okay fair all right it's not my favorite of john cusack's movies but i do enjoy it okay ioni sky was in the following films and again at least one of these i pretty confident that you've seen wayne's world yes i've seen that okay fever pitch nope never saw it Okay. And then this one, I, I have not seen Zodiac. No, but I really want to watch that movie. I want to see it too. Is it? Yeah. So that would be a two showing for you, right? Maybe half. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. All right. John Mahoney was in the following three films, eight men out. Nope. Never saw it. Fun fact. John Cusack was also in that movie. Oh, hey. Uh, John Mahoney was also in The Hudsucker Proxy. Nope, never saw it. Okay. And he also voiced a character in the film Ants. Nope, never saw it. Well, let me ask you this. Have you seen A Bug's Life? Um, no. Oh, damn it. Because I was going to say, if you've seen A Bug's Life, you've basically seen Ants. Because Ants is a total ripoff. Of but Bugs I don't Life. see myself ever watching those movies because I don't like bugs. Oh, that's a good point. The Even only animated bug- bugs? Even animated bugs. The only bug I like is the ant in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. It was so cute. Oh, okay. Friend. I barely remember. I think I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids maybe once. I know I've seen it, but I definitely only saw it once. They like ride him and then he expires because he protects them against like a spider or something. I feel really sad. (laughs) Oh, no. So, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Well, this will cheer you up. Let's move on to our friends connections. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay, Sonia, did you figure out any friends connections? Like I, I know I sent you this mysterious text. Uh-huh. I did think I it? did. All right. I, I think I did. Okay. What I is think, it? I don't know what the character, I don't know either character's names. Okay. But I think at, there's one scene where Lloyd is like talking to his friends in a parking lot or something. Mm-hmm. And there's one of the guys that I think is the health inspector that Phoebe dates. That is correct. Yes. Ding. Yes. The yeah. actor's I was like, is- he looked so familiar. Who is yeah. that guy? Yes. The actor's name is Gregory Sporleader. He, his character's name in Say Anything is Howard. And yes, he's in the episode, the one where Ross moves in and he's the health inspector that Phoebe briefly dates. Yep. Um, I had, I had a couple of like first, second, third degree of separation ones as well. Uh, John Cusack starred in the movie American Sweethearts with Julia Roberts. Who I've was seen featured. that. You've seen American Sweethearts? Uh-huh. Okay. Yay. <laughs> um, and as we know, she was in an episode of Friends, the one after the Super Bowl part two. And then I have another one. Do you have any others? Uh, no, I was just trying so hard to think about the the one that I got. So I didn't even, I got that and I was like, I'm done. Okay, right. <laughs> done, check. <laughs> it's so, a bare minimum. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, so this third one that I found, the character Mike Cameron, the the punk guy with the with the red curly hair that, that Lloyd and Diane have to drive home after the party, yep. was played by Jason Gould, who is Elliot Gould's son. And Elliot Gould played Monica and Ross's father in yep. Friends. Oh, I can, they have the same hair. <laughs> that like curly hair, don't you that think? That curly hair. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was what I had for our friends' connections. Nicely done. Again, continuing to prove that the television show Friends is the center of all things. Sonia, in our last episode, when I told you we were going to be watching Say Anything, I asked you to give me a plot summary and tell me what you think the movie was about. And for those of you who listened to our last episode, I mistakenly said some things about the movie before Sonia gave her plot summary. I'm going to be sure to keep my mouth shut this next time. (laughs) But would you like to hear your original plot summary read back to you word for word? Yes, please. Here we go. John Cusack is in it. Um, It's about young love. I know he likes a girl. I don't know why or if she likes him, but then he goes to her house and holds a stereo up and he plays that Peter Gabriel song and that wins her over, which honestly would win me over. So um, also he's wearing a long jacket in that scene. I had a lot of things wrong. I mean, well, the whole holding the stereo up Although let's call it what it is, a boom box. Yeah. And he's not, I don't think at her house and it doesn't win her over. Well, it's supposed to be outside her house, but they actually filmed it in a park. Right. Yeah. Nowhere near. And it looks near. like he's in a park and nowhere near a home or yeah, any sort of residential area. Exactly. Which is something that I never noticed until this viewing. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but let's hear, let's hear your new and improved plot summary. Okay, I'm not sure it's improved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very short. Okay. Okay. You could say that Say Anything is a classic story of boy meets girl, boy wants girl, boy gets girl, boy loses girl but gets pen, boy gets girl back. Only you'd have 
you'd also need to add a touch of white collar crime, a fear of flying, and a best friend who writes songs about a guy named Joe. <laughs> and scene. That was beautiful. I like it. This one was very succinct, mm-hmm. right to the point. Yeah. I think it, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about this. I, the movie came out, as I said, in 1989. I, the first time I saw it was when it was out on VHS. I don't think I saw it in the theaters. So I had to have been probably about 12 years old when I saw the film. Um, I already was a fan of John Cusack's because I already seen the short, the, the short thing. I'd seen Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer. Uh, I, I know he was in 16 Candles. Another movie that you have not seen. Wait, he was in 16 Candles? He's in 16 Candles. He has a very small role in 16 Candles. Okay. okay. And don't worry, that's on the list. Right. I'm going to be throwing that at you at some point. Um, you know, so I, I knew who he was. I already knew him for his comedy. Uh, this was the first time I'd ever seen him in more of a dramatic role. And also I was already a little bit crushing on him before I saw this movie. And then after I saw this movie, I was like, I want to marry John Cusack. I love this actor. I love this man so much. And I was just an impressionable 12 year old girl. I hated Diane Court because she got to date him. Sure. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I read that Ione Sky and John Cusack did date casually on and oh. off after, after this film. Yes. Interesting because I read the opposite. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wait, what did you read? I read that she okay I read that they like definitely were vibing for Mm -hmm. sure which you can totally see on film but they were both dating other people yes and she said that um if they were not dating other people the day that they filmed the scene when he was teaching her to drive she would have gone home with him hey yo oh yes I read that too and then I also read that after the film was shot like for years on and off she had said in an interview that they would reconnect hang out and mess around interesting right okay so maybe maybe they weren't they were dating other people at the time but kept themselves connected right and would mess around when they weren't dating other people mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> you look like you were well, about to say something. I was, but I don't know if I should say it now or if I should say it later, which is really funny that I just said that. So okay, you so anything. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so um, I just want to uh, repeat that I said I don't know if I should say it now or if I should say it later. Okay, Every, okay. just keep that in the back of your head. Okay. So Ioni Sky at some point was married to Adam Horowitz, who also is known as ad rock from um the beastie boys right and there's a line in a song called get it together and i never knew what it meant until i realized that they had been married but he the line is something like ad rocks down with the ioni and i was like what the hell does that mean but that's (laughs) what it means but in that song there's also a line where he says listen to me now or listen to me later so that's weird that i just said that that is really weird oh but then okay so then as I was like, you know, I was making my notes for this, this uh, episode, I went down as 
always happens. Anytime anything with the Beastie Boys comes up, I always fall down like a gigantic Beastie Boys hole because I love them so much. Mm -hmm. So I started just like looking at videos of them doing stuff. And then I found an interview with Adam Horowitz when he was on The Daily Show. And he was on promoting a movie that he was in called While We Were Young or something like that. Um, And the clip they showed was him. And so I guess it's him and, and his wife character. And then they're out with another couple and they're talking. They're just like at a restaurant talking. And then the someone says, when did the Goonies? Oh, he says it. He says, when did the Goonies become a good movie? And then the conversation turns into who directed the Goonies? So we've got another one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Isn't that so random and weird? This is so random. Again, the universe is continuing to just throw these signs at us, Sonia. I don't know what they mean. I don't know. I feel like maybe my universe is expanding. Ooh, yes. Because so now of I'm just me. seeing, yeah, because of you. And so now I'm just seeing all these things anywhere. Oh my God. This is everywhere. Me so happy. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Tangent no. over. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's, so say anything. Right. So yeah. So I, I have always loved this movie. Um, I, I feel like I say that about every movie that we've watched so far. I always loved this movie. I loved it so much. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record because seeing it as a 12 year old girl, versus a 43-year-old mom, teacher, adults, my interpretation of things as they unfold is so different now from when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's one of the things that I'm really enjoying about our podcast is that I'm getting to review these films with a little bit more of a critical eye, but also keeping in mind and in check my perspectives from the first time I saw the film to now and starting to really explore why those perspectives are changing. So there are a lot of things that, like I said, I, I'm seeing and taking in a lot differently than I did when I was 12, when I was 17, when I was 23. And, and I'll talk more about them as we get into them. And even like one of the bigger questions that I have, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now, because I'm, I'm sure I'd really love to talk to you about this, is I, when I first saw the film, to me, it was, this is a film about romance, it's about love, but this time, I wasn't quite sure if that was really what it was about. So I've been struggling with trying to figure out this time around what the center of gravity of this film really is mm-hmm. anyway so I'm throwing those things out there but Sonia I want to know what your first impression was so it's it's interesting because the way that you describe the film is like truly how I've heard pretty much any single person who I've ever been near who has talked about this movie describe it like it's a love story it's really funny it's I guess you didn't say that but <laughs> that's what other it people is funny. there are some really funny moments in yeah it for sure. yeah um but you know it's like a beautiful love story and um I was excited to watch it because even though I my my original summary was very generalized because I didn't really know what it was about after I watched it I was kind of like oh okay now I understand why I didn't really know what it was about and also going into the movie I was 
excited because I too really enjoy John Cusack. I knew there was that scene with the boom box and I thought that that was going to be like such a great, great moment. I would say overall that this movie was very disappointing. Okay. To me. That's yeah. Why? Tell me what were you, what were your expectations? So I think, I mean, you sort of touched on it yourself. Like, you know, you've always thought that this was a great love story. And so that's what I was expecting. And then I was like, this is weird. Um, Like, I, I think, so it's interesting because one of the things I really liked about the movie is I think that it does a very good job of um, portraying the feeling of liking somebody and getting to know them. And like every, every little thing is super exciting. And like, particularly what stands out is that scene where um, Lloyd is at Diane's house for dinner and she's like picking out a dress and she's like, should I wear this one? Should I wear this one? And he like picks up her book and he's looking through it. And she's like, oh, I just marked the page or the words that I would look up. And it's like every single word. And you can tell that he's like both taken aback, but also completely enamored with what a nerd she is. And just like, oh my gosh, this couldn't even, she couldn't even be better than I pictured so I think it does a really good job of that but then the actual like way it all plays out is so bizarre to me and you know his sort of forcing her to go out with him kind of put me off in the wrong way like you're being way too aggressive with her but then of course it's okay and then they have their weird weird breakup and then they get back together and I was trying to think today about like how they get back together and I honestly can't even remember so I'll need you to fill in the gap okay yeah so what happens is Diane goes to speak with the investigators Mm -hmm. and ask you know point blank what is going on I and and they tell her these are the things these are the characteristics of the profile that your father might fit go home and and see if this make sense to you and then she does some snooping she finds the money that he's been hiding and then from there she has this realization that her father has been lying to her all of these years oh right and then she goes to the dojo right and then she kisses him even though he's bleeding profusely from the nose right and super sweaty but you know what i would kiss a sweaty john cusack the sweatiness is what bothered me. It was the blood, blood gushing from his nose. There's, there's a continuity error in that scene that has always driven me crazy in, in, with the blood coming out of his nose. Because in, in, the, in the first couple of shots, there's a fair amount of blood coming out of, I guess it would be his left nostril. Mm-hmm. And then they cut to him again and the blood's almost gone. That's always bothered me. Oh, that would make me insane. Yeah. So anyway. I noticed it. Okay. Um, And then I also just sort of tying up the bow of their romance, that end scene when they're on the plane and it like, I think it's the very last shot. It's like Mm -hmm. them after the plane takes off, the looks on their faces really reminded me of the end of The Graduate when they're kind of like, have we just made a huge mistake? Yes. That's exactly what Cameron Crowe was going for. Yes. I know, Sonia. Film expert. Oh my God. You are crushing it today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just unpacked a lot there. You unpacked a lot. I'm trying to, I'm trying to 
figure out where to, where to even start. Um, here's what, here's what I will say. I mentioned earlier how seeing it as a 12 year old versus a 43 year old was a really different experience when I was younger. And even all of the times that I watched the film. And again, this is a film that I can confidently say I've seen at least 10 times, maybe even 20 times because I would watch it over and over and over again. I loved this film so much. I always saw the father as this villain, like mustache twirling, hand wringing, evil laugh villain. But this time around, I really didn't see that at all. I saw a parent who wanted to give his daughter the best life that he could Yes, he committed, and I'm not condoning what he did um, as a crime. I, I, but I, but you know, I, I never, for some reason, I remembered the story as him forbidding her from ever seeing Lloyd, and he doesn't. I think he's a little manipulative in terms of trying to get her to break up with him, especially that scene when they're talking in the kitchen, and and he makes a good point. He says, you know, you're going to be going off to England. I want to be able to spend time with you. And I, and I can see that as a parent wanting to spend time with your child and having to accept that you're not their priority. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, I also get it too, because like, as a parent, he is, you know, it's, I think it's about her time and like, you know, you're not spending time with me before you're going to go to England and then be gone period. Cause you're going to go to college. You're going to do like all of these things. And then compared to the time that she's spending with this guy that she barely knows and I think he also recognizes like okay you love him now I did air quotes for those of you that can't see me but like Mm -hmm. what are the chances you're actually going to be with this guy later very 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 small and then we sort of see that potentially the dad is right in that last shot so I, I, I also feel like he's just like don't waste your time like this relationship that we have is forever that one is not going to likely be forever. So don't waste your time spending it all with him when you could be spending it with dear old dad. Yeah. And, and mentioning that last shot, this was the first time, and it might be because before I watched it this time around, I had read that Cameron Crowe was trying to imitate that, or I shouldn't say imitate, but you know, paying respect to that last shot of the graduate because in that final shot of the graduate, remember they, they've just run off together and they're, they're feeling really exhilarated about this very spontaneous move that they've made. But then once that adrenaline settles, there's that sort of, oh shit moment, you yeah. know, where, oh, dear God. now <laughs> what? And, and having that in the back of my mind and watching this movie again and seeing that last shot of them looking very anxiously at the fasten your seatbelt sign and waiting for that ding ding oh we've got the ding <laughs> waiting for, what is happening waiting for that know. ding it was the first time where I actually questioned whether or not everything was going to be okay but I think I think that was the point we hear the ding and that was the the storyteller's way of saying things are going to be okay for them mm-hmm. but there is a part of me the 43 year old mom who questions is it you know, I'm going back to Pretty Woman when we talked about whether or not Vivian and Edward would actually make it. And I, I don't think that they would. 
And I don't really know if Lloyd and Diane would either. I'm not sure. I was, I, I used to be so convinced so. that they would be together forever, but now I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. I think eventually she would get tired of his antics and not even antics, but just like, I don't know. I think she would be not that he was not smart because he certainly was an intelligent person, but I think that she, I could see her like going to grad school and meeting some like really intellectual guy and whether that would last or not, I could see her being like, this is really what I want. Goodbye, Lloyd. In that very sultry voice. Mm -hmm. Lloyd, this is what I want. Lloyd, this has just run its course and I no longer want to be with you. Your jacket is much too long. I need someone with a shorter jacket, maybe corduroy with elbow patches. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was trying to think about what it was that each of them brought to this relationship that they had with each other. And I feel that Lloyd definitely had an impact on her in terms of getting her to open up and be more free and less regimented. I, I, yes, as I was saying, I think that he definitely brings something out of her. And we even see it on their first date. We, even though, and it's interesting Okay, I have a lot of things to say all of a sudden. So she's supposed to be this total brainiac, someone who spent all of her time working and studying, didn't socialize. At one point, I think I even wrote in my notes, does she have any friends at all in school or did she just spend the whole time studying? And when when she finally agrees to go out on a date with him, and they go to this party. She definitely doesn't dress like somebody who spends all of. I, and I, I, you know what? Yes, I, I, I agree. Like I was such like... an asshole saying this, but you know, I, I just, she just looked so. And I'm not saying that you can't be beautiful and smart, but if we're gonna have a character who is completely isolating herself from everybody else because she has these very specific educational goals, um, I feel like she wouldn't be aware of how to make herself beautiful. So this is so funny. I have two comments in okay. response. Number one, I also wrote down her something like her outfit because I was like, you look like you're going to the prom but everyone else is just going to a house party. So I thought that was interesting. And I mm-hmm. almost wonder if maybe like that was a dress that she bought for something else or I don't know. And then she was like, I never got to wear this because I never did go to the prom because I don't have any friends. Um, so then she decided to wear it there. But then funny enough, I wrote also in my notes that I liked that she was a smart girl who doesn't need a makeover. So I did. Yeah. I mean, I did appreciate that, but then it's also like, but then the other side of that coin is like, well, of course now she's a smart girl who's also beautiful and doesn't (laughs) know she's beautiful. I'm like, that's an annoying trope. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Although going, maybe I think I want to take back what I said and maybe like you had mentioned that the dress that she wears to the party is a little over the top and more like something you would wear to prom, but maybe that does track with her not being socially aware because she doesn't realize that what she's wearing is 
a little too extravagant or fancy. Yeah. Like she looks great, but she's overdressed. Right. Yeah. So maybe that would work. And, but we do see how uh, excited, not excited. There's that apprehension to go to this party. And even when they get in the car, she says, would it be okay if we left early? And, you know, so she's expecting to not have fun, to mm-hmm. not have anybody to talk to, to have, I, th- I think at least to have a miserable time. Even when she agrees to go, she kind of does it reluctantly. Yeah. Well, I love how she looks up, looks him up in the yearbook after, and she's just so disappointed. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the hours of the party because okay. when he first, when he like goes to pick her up and then he's saying to her dad, like, I'm the guy that your daughter's going to spend the next seven to eight hours with. I was like, Mm -hmm. what What kind of party is this? And also like it's nighttime. And then when she's like, I'll be home by 3 a.m. or something. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Or yeah, when she's on the phone with him, she said, I'll be home by dawn. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I mean, and I guess that's what happens if it's like, you know, the end of the year party and parents are like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I just was very surprised by that. Yeah. And that also is interesting, again, going back to the father, like I said, he's not, you know, I, I, this, that was another thing that I noticed in terms of him not being as villainous as I'd always made him out to be, because again, you know, I'd said before, he never forbids her from seeing Lloyd. He doesn't tell her she can't go to the party. So it's not like she's sneaking out, you know, he's like, go ahead. And, you know, he's a little concerned about who she's going to the party with because he doesn't really know this guy and I don't think and I think because Lloyd just kind of comes off as a little strange yeah you know um but I but also you know she says I'll be home by dawn and you don't hear you know you need to be home in the next hour he seems to give her a wide berth you know there he she has the freedom to do what she wants because she's proven how responsible she is so again as as her parent I I I, again it just is another example of how he does trust her to a degree I yeah I think that exactly ties back to what we were saying about him when he was saying to him the dad was saying to Diane like I don't want you to spend all your time with this guy I think it it relates back to like it's not that I don't want you to have fun or don't want you to see this person but maybe just think about how you're allocating your time yeah yeah and also you know we were both in college and we, I know so many people when I was in college who came, who started college, still dating their boyfriend or girlfriend from high school and every Thanksgiving, you know, they come back having broken up with their boyfriend or girlfriend from high school. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it was, it was, you know, that, because when you're in high school, for the most part, I do know, I know, I know several people who married their high school sweethearts and they're perfectly happy and it does work out, but I think for the most part, it doesn't always because you go away and you grow and you learn more things about yourself and what you want and don't want and realize that this other person doesn't fit yeah, into and you just that meet life anymore. Other people. I mean, see, yeah. again, this is her. She's going to go meet that really intellectual guy with the mm-hmm. corduroy jacket. She just hasn't met him yet. Hasn't met him yet. Yeah. So, and, but, and then going back to, going back to what, they each bring to this relationship. So I, I think, I think it would be fair to say, and, you know, 
let me know if you agree or, or want to add to this, that Lloyd does introduce her to this social world that she wasn't really a part of before, but really it's only that one night. And then after that, it seems like it's just the two of them, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but he does seem to pull her out of this routine that she has and, yeah. uh, you know, and then, and then I wonder like, what does she do for him? Like, what does she bring to the table? I don't know. I think that, I mean, I'm sure he enjoys talking to her. I'm sure he enjoys looking at her. Um, I feel like it's like the thing, and that's why I think that they're not together today. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's the thing where like, he doesn't know her, but she's this like quiet, beautiful girl. So he sort of makes up a narrative in his head about who she is. And I'm sure there are probably parts of it that are true, but I think ultimately he would come to either realize she's not this person that he created in his mind um, or, you know, recognizes like, we don't really actually have much in common and the physical stuff eventually kind of wears off. So Mm. I think you're absolutely right. I'm not sure. And I feel bad saying she doesn't bring anything to the relationship because I don't think that that's true. I think, I think maybe he enjoys being that person to show her these new things and teach her how to drive a car. And, and I guess in theory that could be long lasting, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I would have, I think I would have liked to have seen more, but maybe that's because it's such a common trope now in films a lot of romantic comedies now center around a man who's just a total shit show (laughs) and then he has the then he you know the woman kind of gets him where he needs to be um and I don't think that Lloyd is necessarily a mess he's really not I think no I don't think he's a mess I think he's lost I think he doesn't really have a a trajectory set for him yet and we even we learned that at the party when the guidance counselor by the way why is a guidance counselor showing up to a party I don't know that was really (laughs) I was like what is this someone's mom what's happening (laughs) (laughs) also side note there's a deleted scene with Diane talking to one of her teachers and the teacher totally hits on her Was this a thing in the 80s where teachers hung out with students and dated students and and flirted with students? Because that's just gross. I don't know. As a teacher, I am so disgusted by that. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so back to Lloyd. So the guidance counselor shows up at the party and we learned that he is the only one in his graduating class who didn't decide on a career or some focus, something to work towards after he graduates from high school. So, so we get the sense that he's untethered. He's, he's not really, doesn't have much of a direction, decides that his purpose is to spend as much time with Diane as possible and do everything he can to make her happy, which is very sweet, but I don't, and again, maybe this is the 43 year old in me. I would much rather be with somebody who has other things to do than just trying to make me happy all the time. Correct. Like, that's, <laughs> like, should that be one of your goals? Of course. Sure. But you should have other goals that don't involve me because sometimes you're going to want your alone time and sometimes I'm going to want my alone time. So mm-hmm. you should have other goals. Yeah. 
I mean, he is a kickboxer and he does seem to be pretty focused on that. And I just, I wonder if it would have added something to the story for her to have given him a little bit more direction as opposed to him kind of like suctioning onto her. Is that a word? Like I'm thinking, imagining like an octopus, like suction cup, like, you know. Yeah. I'm just going to stick to you and wherever you go, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Like even at the party, remember that one point where she's like, oh, look, he checks on me, which is yeah. sweet. Like if, if Sean and I go to a party, we don't like spend every second together, but it is nice to like, sometimes be like, Hey, there you are. Right. Yeah. But they also don't really talk to each other at all at the party. Mm-hmm. But I think that <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And in a weird way though, I feel like, I almost feel like the the fact that he like the second they get there and everyone's like hey Lloyd Lloyd oh man so good to see you and then he is assigned to be the key master Mm -hmm. because he's a responsible guy I guess Mm -hmm. I feel like that's almost what what makes her be like oh I do like this guy like he's responsible he knows all these people he's clearly really well liked Mm -hmm. um I feel like that's what made me like him as a character. Absolutely. And I think that party is a really good opportunity for us to learn these things about him. The, but it's interesting because we're learning these things about him, but I don't think Diane is seeing any of the things that we're seeing because she's off talking to other people. Like for example, when Corey is playing her 62 songs about Joe, <laughs> which is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie I love her character so much I think she's so great she's so dramatic and so obsessed with this guy and I think that any I feel like most people could relate to that maybe not to the extent that she goes to but um but yeah she's great but anyway but remember she's she's playing these songs about Joe and then Joe shows up with his girlfriend Mimi and Lloyd is the one who stands in between them and tells Joe, you need to back off. You know, she's written all of these songs about you. All of these songs are about pain. It comes out that she had attempted suicide because of him. So Lloyd is trying to protect his friend. Yeah. And, and we see that he really does take on this role of a protector in, in so many ways, which I think is really sweet. And again, it's one of those, like you had said, there are there's so many things about his character that are really endearing and make us really, really like him. He's a very likable character, I think. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, but I, but I just, but did he's just so lost? And there were even moments in the film where, again, when I was 12, I thought, you know, kind of like what I was saying before when he was like, oh, I, you know, my, my, my job this summer is to spend as much time with you as possible. And when I was 12, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And, and, but as 43, I'm like, um, that's a little overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could get a hobby. Yeah. And there were, there were just some things where I felt like if I, I think I would have felt a little, I, some of his, some of his efforts I felt were a little over the top and off-putting. But again, maybe that's because of my age and I, it's, I, I don't know. I did, did you feel the same way or. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the difference between like being a young person sort of navigating a romantic situation for the first time versus being a more mature person. And like, I think as you're 
when you're younger and certainly when a lot of your kind of experience is what you see in movies and on TV and it is a lot of like obsessive over the top honestly sometimes like really inappropriate gestures to get someone to like you I think when you're first like starting out you think that that's that's romance um but then I think as you get older and and oftentimes gain more independence you realize that those sorts of things are not long lasting and they may be kind of exciting in the beginning, but there is kind of that tipping point of like, okay, that's sweet versus that's like obsessive and a little bit crazy. Yeah. And it, and it seems almost unsustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't always be making those like over the top grand gestures because that's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say I think there is a one scene in the film where I do see a little bit of her bringing something to the relationship now that I think about it and it's the one where they're talking on the phone and she's uh, saying how she's gonna because she works at her father's um, uh, retirement home nursing home I'm not sure what the appropriate term would be for for the facility and uh, he shares that he feels uncomfortable around old people, elderly people. And then she gets into this whole thing about that's ageism and blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, well, you're really turning me around. So I like the idea that she challenges him because she is very intelligent and is well-read and, and uh, can offer different perspectives. And again, I think it would have been cool to see more of that but maybe that's not what the movie was about but again it just brings me back to the question of well what was this movie about (laughs) you could say that say anything is a classic story of boy meets girl boy (laughs) wants girl boy gets (laughs) i know i know i i feel the same way can we talk a little bit about the boombox scene yes i know we've already talked about how it's supposed to be outside of her house but it's a park Mm -hmm. and that it's a (laughs) boombox I just I mean the movie is disappointing but that scene in particular was so disappointing to me I feel like it was like the glass shattering when you like have a realization about something because Mm -hmm. I have lived my entire life thinking that that was like um an amazing romantic scene in a movie and she rolls over in his, in her bed and ignores him yeah and like that is really sweet like he was playing the song that was playing in the car and mm-hmm. I mean I guess in a way it's also a little like those like public gestures are embarrassing um but I don't know I was so disappointed I was like wait 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 that that was a scene. I actually thought it would happen again later. Okay. And that that's when he would win her over. Yeah. And so then when it never happened, I was like, well, I don't know anything. Nothing I have ever believed is true anymore. Yeah. And I, I think also I'm this time around, I'm, I'm really unclear about why she broke up with him in the first place. And then why she's completely shutting him out, you know, because he didn't, I mean, I guess it's because she wants to spend more time with her father 
and her father, I think has made her feel guilty about how much time she's spending with Lloyd. Yeah. But her father never forbids her from, again, I've said this before. He never forbids her from seeing him. He never gives her an ultimatum. It's either him or me. She just breaks up with him and shuts him out. She doesn't return his phone calls. He makes this, like you said, that grand romantic gesture of holding the boom box out and then her doing nothing about it. I just, it doesn't, this time around, it didn't compute mm-hmm. with me. I was, I was really, I was really thrown off by that. And, but I will say, and so are you, when you were watching the film, was your expectation for that boombox scene that she would see that and she would run out and be like, Lloyd, I love you. And something. Yeah. Or at least yeah. like, even if she didn't run out, like, you know, she rolls over and you see like a smile or something. And then the next day you see her go to the dojo and be like, I love you. I'm sorry. You know, mm-hmm. like there was just no reaction to it, which was yeah. so bizarre to me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess I just, I, I think, I think you're right. Like, I think her dad just made her feel guilty about everything. And I don't know if it's like she, they had just had sex for the first time. I don't know if she was like feeling guilty about that, which she shouldn't because whatever, she's like old enough to make her own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if she just like sort of all of a sudden had this feeling of shame come over. And sometimes the easiest way to deal with that is to just shut it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that was the intention, it could have been better addressed in the film to make that more obvious. Yeah, some somehow. I I think that um going back to the boom boxing, I I think one of the reasons why it is so iconic isn't because she responds to it, but because she doesn't. There's something so heartbreaking about him making this gesture, and you can see it in his expression that he's really hopeful, but also just dying inside because what he's doing isn't working Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know why kind of like, I guess, like us, I don't, I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Like when he's, when he's recording his message for Corey and he's driving around or no, not even that when he calls his sister Side note, John Cusack gets rained on a lot in several movies. I once saw him on, I think it was David Letterman, and they put together this whole montage of all the movies where he gets rained on. It was so funny. Um, Anyway, back to this, when he's talking to his sister, and I think he says, she broke up with me. I don't know why. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I'm thinking like, I don't know either. (laughs) I don't know how to help you. I don't understand. (laughs) Especially when it, if it's a matter of, oh, do you need to spend more time? Do you need to do more of this or more of that? Like, and, and it's interesting for, for a character who is supposed to be so intelligent, who we get the sense is very pragmatic based on some parts in the film where she, um, like when she talks about flying for the first time and how she had this checklist in her head, even at, as a young age, you know, she knew, she kind of knew how to create these formulas for situations where she would feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And for someone who thinks that way, it was surprising to me that she couldn't decide, I can still be with Lloyd, but I don't have to be with him 24 seven. 
Yeah, it is weird that it's all or nothing. Yeah. But I guess that's teenage love. You don't really understand. That's true. <laughs> well, if any teenagers listen and watch this movie and know exactly what, what went wrong, please tell us. Yes, please. we have no idea. Yeah. There was something in one scene when Lloyd and Diane are at a, they're in a cafe. I think it's a cafe. They're drinking coffee. Oh, yeah. And, and she, again, she's sort of, it's interesting. They both have these moments where they babble a lot, mm-hmm. which in a way kind of makes them perfect for each other. They just babble about different things. But she even says at one point, am I just babbling? But she talks about this thing. She calls this her theory of convergence where, you know, good things are always paired with bad things and they happen to people at the same time. And you have to try to figure out how to work with them. And, and that was one part of the film where I thought, is this what it's about? Is it about her theory of convergence? Because you have this budding romantic relationship with Lloyd but then your father is under investigation for tax fraud. How do you reconcile these two things? Is, is that what this is about? And is it like this bigger idea of how this is what life is? And, and maybe that's what Cameron Crowe was going for. He wanted to make I really something really like, real. I really like that theory because I can't think of anything else because I don't really see this as a love story. I see it as like, a young relationship that maybe is too intense but that like you have something good and then you have something bad and then what's interesting is like the situation with her dad sort of plays out and I'm not saying it ends well but like Mm -hmm. he's you know he ends up in jail she decides she's gonna move forward and go to France and sort of start her life and that in theory is something good, but then, then that leads to her questioning her relationship potentially with Lloyd. And I think Lloyd too, also being like, I'm really going to France with this person. <laughs> so it's sort of that again, it's like <laughs> the whole episode is just that episode. I mean, the whole movie is just that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine is having really bad luck. George is having great luck and Jerry is just like, even. Yeah. Who knows? You're like, okay, sure. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Cause I really just walked away from it this time being like, I don't really know what it's about anymore. I feel like everything I knew about the film isn't, isn't real anymore. And, and I, I still enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm taking away from it this time. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get into the categories? I think we have to. I don't think we're going to figure out anything else about the movie. Yeah. Unless maybe we talk about the categories. All Um, right. Well, let's do a quick uh, recap of our total. Okay. So in our last episode about Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, we scored two points. Mm -hmm. So I believe we have a grand total of 27, except my spreadsheet closed. So I can't confirm that. (laughs) I believe it is 27. Okay. Let's yeah. go with 27. So if we get any more matches for our category answers, we will get more points. Mm-hmm. And when we reach 40 points, you get to pick the movie. I get to pick the movie, which will be very, very exciting. Do you know what movie you're going to pick? I have like three ideas in my okay. head. So I Ooh. think it's just going to depend on my mood at the time that we are picking. Okay. Yeah. But okay. Right. We've got 27. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go first this time. Yes, you are. So favorite character. 
I do have to say I had a difficult time with both favorite character and least favorite character because Mm -hmm. I didn't really like or dislike anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for favorite character, I ended up picking Lloyd. Um, I think we've talked a lot about the reasons why he's like the relatable guy. My favorite thing is when he does go with Diane to her dad's place of work and he... (laughs) has like the chalkboard and he he writes Lloyd presents cocoon and then he gives (laughs) he basically gives an overview of cocoon that would be the overview I would give of of cocoon yes (laughs) oh my god you're totally right it's about a bunch of old people go to outer space hope I didn't give anything away there (laughs) I I haven't seen it but uh I heard it's really good (laughs) oh my god I didn't even make that connection it's literally my summary (laughs) So I just, you know, I think he's great. Like all of his interactions with his nephew are adorable. Um, You know, I think he is trying to find his way in life, um, even though maybe he's going about it not in the best way. I also sort of fell for the fact that he became the key master at the party. And then after he's done with his responsibility, he's like, I'm done. Give me a beer. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is just really a nice, sweet guy. Yeah. I also picked Lloyd. (gasps) All right. We are already one point in. One point in. I had a runner up and my runner up was his nephew because he was so freaking adorable. I couldn't even deal with it. Oh my God. Like the scene where where Lloyd is talking to Diane on the phone for the first time and he's like, no sound, no movement, no nothing. And the kid's just standing there in the corner and he's looking super cute (laughs) and just kind of, you know, anxiously waiting for, he doesn't even know what to happen. Mm -hmm. I looked up that kid because I was just curious what he was doing now. And I don't remember anything that he is doing, but (laughs) but he's my age. Yes. Yes. I I looked him up as well. He did. He did a few, he had, he continued to act for a couple more years. And I think that, um, but, but I don't remember if he's still acting now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I got, I saw he was my age and then I was just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. Least favorite character. I chose Joe. Okay. I mean, just what a loser. (laughs) well and I hated how he was like at the party he finds Corey when she's like by the fridge of all those diet cokes and then he's like Corey I missed you or whatever and then he's like let's have sex and then he's just (laughs) like um okay I'm out of here I'm gonna go write song number 66 about (laughs) (laughs) about what just happened yeah getting a diet coke yeah asked to have sex and I said no Oh, that's a great song. That's a good song, right? I'm going to write that song. You should. Or someone else write that song and send it to us. No, I think you should write it. Okay. Copyright. I, you know, I didn't pick Joe, but, and it's funny because I, I thought about maybe having Joe as my least favorite character, but I think maybe it's because I know the actor who plays Joe in a couple of other films mm. and, but I, for, and this time around, I actually appreciated his performance of Joe especially because the first time we see him is when he's singing the greatest love of all at the graduation and it's just I I'm watching I forgot that with him that's him oh I kind of take it back now <laughs> and I know you can't it's too late but I but I was watching him and it was cracking me up because I was like I could totally see 
I have students in mind, former students, and I could totally see doing that. You know, it was just such a perfect high school. I'm going to sing this song for graduation and it's not going to sound really good. And I'm, I'm not quite sure if he knew that he wasn't really good and just didn't care. And everyone was just like, everyone was just totally vibing with it. I think um, he thought he was awesome because I think yeah. he thinks he's awesome. I think yeah. he thinks he's like, and that's why I don't like him is because he's like, well, now I'm with Mimi, but it, if I snap my fingers, Corey is going to be all <laughs> up in my business. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I also did like him in the in the scene you had mentioned earlier where we had made our friends connection mm-hmm. uh, at the scene at the gas and sip where Lloyd is trying to confide in, in the dudes. <laughs> I picked as my least favorite character, Diane's mom, Mm. who was played by Lois Chili's. I don't know. Shields. I'm not quite sure how to say her last name. And she was uncredited. I had a hard time trying to find who played her. I, yeah, I just didn't like her. I had a hard time also picking least favorite character because I think before I even started watching the movie again, I thought I was automatically going to pick Diane's father. Mm-hmm. But then after I watched the movie, I said, no, I don't feel like he was my least favorite character in the whole movie. And I had a hard time trying to isolate other characters in terms of who they were and what they brought to the table. But I felt like Diane's mom ended up being my least favorite just because she didn't really seem very concerned with anything other than her boyfriend. And yeah, and Diane. how she was like, like something about your mouth when you talk or something Remember yeah your mouth like turns your... down when yeah. you when you talk or something like that and I yeah um so I'm so is that actress somebody because the fact that she's uncredited is interesting to me like is she someone famous and it's like a cameo so they didn't credit her or it's I... weird because especially given that she has a speaking role yeah I looked her up and I didn't recognize anything else that she had been in she was a big actress and I think like the 60s and the 70s or at least definitely the 70s um and it's interesting because John Cusack's sister Joan Cusack who plays his sister in the film was also uncredited so and I don't know and I I think sometimes actors especially if you have a speaking role I would assume that it was the actor's choice to not be credited. I know John Hamm did that for Bridesmaids. He asked to not be credited in that film. Interesting. Or because, I wonder, sorry, go ahead. No, I was, no, I was just like, cause I think John Hamm is just like, yeah, I'll do it. I don't care. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I wonder, or like if she had, cause the, the film takes place in Seattle, I know. So I wonder if she's like someone of Seattle fame. Cause I know, I mean, the scene got cut, but like, I know Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam was supposed to be Mm-hmm. in a scene as a cab driver um, yeah. which I would have loved um yeah. bummed that he got cut yeah but I wonder if maybe that's the connection interesting I yeah I I don't know but I picked her as my least favorite it did it did answer a lot of questions what I did appreciate about that scene was that even though it's so short it answers a lot of questions about Diane's choice to be with her father versus her mother and I think we learned so much about that dynamic and the relationship between the two of them and how disconnected they are. Yeah. Um, so I, I, and that is something that I, I, there are a lot of things that I appreciate about this film. I do think that Cameron Crowe does a really good job of developing these characters 
in a way where he doesn't have to explicitly tell us things about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a really good storyteller. I and I, and I think that that scene with Diane and her mother tells a whole other story that you can get in just those maybe 90 seconds, however long that scene is. Cause it's really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that was a good pick. No, oh, thank you. Welcome. Okay. Okay. Best character arc. I picked Diane. Um, I think because of the, like her first scene versus her last couple of scenes, I think she really goes through a transformation of becoming sort of that quiet girl into really starting to become an independent woman. And I think even though we've, you know, definitely judged a lot of her choices in terms of continuing to be with Lloyd, um, despite maybe it not being the right choice for her or sort of an immature choice I do think that she does sort of have the biggest change in personality like she starts from giving her speech and then going to this party where she says like oh I didn't know anybody or you know people and then Lloyd says that line like people knew of you now they know you to then becoming this person who has to like deal with a very difficult situation and sort of you know the person who she's always relied on and always turned to is now the person that she's angry with and is choosing to walk away from and sort of you know I think the the killer there is when he's like you can give him this you know when her dad is kind of convincing her to break up with Lloyd she's like Mm -hmm. you can give him this pen so he can write to you and then she gives him the pen back it's kind of that moment of like, I listened to you and why would I listen to you when this is how you're choosing to spend your time? And these are the decisions that you're making that are negatively impacting so many people's lives. Um, I'm never listening to your advice ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I also picked Diane Court. Okay. Yeah. And again, for all of the reasons that you said, so basically ditto, I, I, thought that she had a really interesting journey from brainiac to um, learning to be social with other people, falling in love, especially with someone who she would have most likely never expected to fall in love with the relationship with her father and how that starts to, I guess, derail really once she realizes what, what he's been doing Mm-hmm. And also just facing her fears and getting on a plane, you know, she, I think that she, and I think I wrote this in my notes somewhere that Lloyd teaches her that it's okay to fly both literally and figuratively. Another point, Sonia. <gasps> okay. Two points. Least convincing performance. I feel bad about this one because I don't think the person actually I don't, this is not a commentary of their acting ability. Mm -hmm. I just, I just can't buy Lily Taylor as a teenager. She is the person who played Corey. And, you know, I've seen her in so many other things and she has never been a teenager before. So I think it's my own preconceived notion of like, no, 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 you're an adult and you act and behave like an adult. So I just like, I could not, 
I could not get past it. Oh man, I, I love her in this movie. I know. It's okay. I don't I don't hold it against you. You're entitled okay. to your opinion. Thank you. I I chose Amy Brooks who played DC. Oh, that was my second person. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I I actually had a hard time. I had a hard time with a lot of these categories. And this one I had a hard time with because I didn't think anybody was really terrible in the movie. And originally I had actually picked Ione Sky. Mm-hmm. Because there were moments where I felt like she was emoting, but she wasn't really paying attention to what she was saying meant. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. Like I'd mentioned the scene where she's talking to Lloyd on the phone about working at the retirement community facility and then she kind of goes off on him about being an ageist and there were just, I don't know, there were just parts of the film where I didn't buy her delivery because I didn't think she really thought about, but again, I'm not an actor. I don't know. Well, I read that she had a hard time relating to the character because she was like, I did not do well in school. So like this whole persona that is centered around being really intelligent and working really hard in school was hard for me. Yeah. I, I, I think that came across a few times, mm-hmm. but Overall, I felt that she actually, compared to what I remembered, and honestly, my my memories of her performance could be clouded by the fact that I was just so jealous that you know That's she fair. got to make out with John Cusack. But I, but yeah, I went. I picked. I picked Amy Brooks who played DC just because I, and I did read. And again, now I don't trust the internet, but I had read that she beat out a lot of names that are now big. Like I think Julia Roberts was considered for that Mm -hmm. role, but at the time Julia Roberts wasn't as big as she is now. I think that was before pretty woman. I don't, I think mystic pizza had just come out. So she was, and Lily Taylor was also in mystic pizza, by the way, have you seen mystic pizza? I feel like you have not. Um, I've seen parts of it. So nope, never saw it. Okay. Um, I think that Oh, and I, and I'd also read that there was originally supposed to be a moment in quotation marks. I'm like Sheila between DC and Lloyd, but, and that was taken out again. I don't know if that's true or not because I don't trust the internet anymore. Yeah. And what would be the point of that? Yeah. I just, I think I just felt that compared to all of the other people that Lloyd chooses to surround himself with, she's just kind of there. It's a very random character. Like I can't imagine anyone being able to really do a good job with it because it's like, why are you there? I feel like sometimes I feel like sometimes her purpose was to show like how pushy Corey was. Right. Which again, why? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just wasn't I I didn't walk away from the film if I if I had to pick if I had to pick a worst or least convincing performance I I go with her. Sure, and you did have to pick so I did have to pick yeah. <laughs> and that was my answer <laughs> best performance I'm expecting we might get a point on this one I chose your boyfriend John Cusack yay um <laughs> even though there were definitely like I loved Lo- all of Lloyd's rants when you would ask him a question and then he would just go on for like two minutes about a whole like description of 
what you're asking him that is way beyond the information you ever could or would want. Definitely during some of those, I felt like he was rambling, but I overall, I thought his performance was the best and he was the most, this is going to sound weird maybe, but I think he was like the most in character all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I also know he's just a great actor, so I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. I think he's fantastic in this film. I, I had read that he originally turned the role down because he wanted to not play a high school graduate or high schooler because that's up to that point. Those were the roles that he was most notably being cast for. Um, and I think he was 20 years old when he was cast for this role as Lloyd Dobler. Yeah, right. So, but apparently when he read the screenplay, he saw that Lloyd had a little bit more depth to him. And and it isn't Lloyd's character. It's a really interesting character because he's, there's, there's a little bit of, like we talked about how Lloyd is kind of lost. Um, He's, I, I think there's like a little hint of a darkness to him because of that. There are a lot of interesting things about him that aren't really developed, but they sort of help put these little pieces together to fit this puzzle of who he is. You know, I, I think it's really interesting that he lives with his sister and his parents are overseas in Germany, right? Yeah. He talks about how he was living abroad for a, a certain period of time. So he's actually yeah. older than Didn't everybody in his graduating he was in class. the army or something like that for a year or something like that? I I don't, I don't know, but I, I think he was just over overseas with his parents. Oh, oh, maybe he did serve. I don't remember. I don't know. Oh. That was one of those lines that he definitely mumbled. And I was like, I'm not rewinding to find Man, out. Man, for someone who's seen this movie like 20 times, I can't believe I don't remember exactly what he did overseas. I'm going to have to look oh. that up. That's going to keep me up at night. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. So there's, there's, so he's, he's playing a quote unquote high school graduate but there's a maturity to him because he's been on the other side of the globe and he's experienced things that all of these other people haven't. And even in the way he connects with other people and interacts with everybody else in his grade, you can tell that there's, he's had more experience than everyone else to a degree on a level that they have not. Yeah. And that's also why I think like, he's so respected the way that he is amongst his peer group, even though he's older and I guess not a peer in that sense. But I think that they, they're, they are also recognizing that you're older than us. You've done all of these things. Like that's why you're the key master. That's why we want to be friends with you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I agree. And I think that we mentioned before that some of his, Um, his advances towards Diane or his insistence on being with her all the time seems really obsessive and over the top, but somehow he makes it okay in his performance. It doesn't come off as creepy as it might (laughs) in real life. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, well, I don't know about that. I don't know. I think there's, I think there's just, I think he's able to, to, toe that line where it's endearing as opposed to uncomfortable and uh and going back to that boombox scene his that you see in his face that there's like that desperation mixed with anticipation mixed with that heartache because 
like we said, like you had said, yeah, she doesn't respond at all. She completely ignores it. Oh, and that scene when he's talking to his sister on the phone and it's raining. Oh my God. Yeah. Heartbreaking. So sorry, who did you pick as best performance? John Cusack. Okay, good. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't clear. I wasn't I'm sure. Sorry. We now have three points. Okay. I, I did have as a runner up John Mahoney as mm-hmm. Diane's dad because I yeah. thought he was fantastic. He was. In the movie. It okay. would have been hilarious though if you were like, if you said John Mahoney and it wasn't John Cusack, but you had just gone on this like whole um, explanation. <laughs> <of how good laughs> he was. I had um, a hard time with that category, actually. Like I actually had written a couple of names down with question marks. And then I was like, all right, or maybe when we talk about it, I'll know who I'm going with. And then I highlighted John Cusack at some point during our conversation. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. You lost me at. So pretty much, I feel like these two events kind of happen at the same time is when Lloyd and Diane break up and then everything like really ramps up with the dad's crime. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like that's when the movie for me kind of went off the rails and I just like didn't care what happened anymore and I wanted it to be over. And I also felt like the dad thing was so unnecessary. Like it, it didn't need to happen. Like she could, the story could have played out in the exact same way and not have had this whole crime happen. And I, I get, I guess I get that the crime was supposed to be what makes Diane choose to go to France and bring Lloyd with her. But I, again, like, I think that would have happened maybe anyway. I mean, you did remind me that her finding out that her father was guilty is sort of the catalyst for getting them back together. It's just, I don't know. It was just so, to me, it was so random. I'm like, what, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> but I think it's also, I think it does also go back to my, imp- my thought going into this movie that this was going to be some grand romantic love story. And then it just takes that turn and you're, and, and, that's sort of the moment of like, okay, this is not going to be that type of movie. The It is true. It, it is interesting that we find out that the father is a criminal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can see your point. Like why, why have that as part of the story? You know, he commits this white collar crime and it, it is kind of, it is kind of weird. I, and I, you know, I remember anytime I watched, especially when I watched it when I was 12 and, and when I was 12, I didn't really completely understand what it was that he had done. Cause I didn't understand tax evasion when I was 12 years old. You didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I, I missed that. I didn't take a tax evasion class. And well, to be fair, my dad grade. was an accountant. So yeah. So you should know. I I did not know when I was 12 what tax evasion was. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I will say, I think that that is something that does set this film apart from other films like it that tell a similar story. Like as we've been talking about this movie, I've been thinking about other films where we have, you know, the young couple the, the boy and the girl who are completely different from each other and they start to date and people don't understand why and the parents don't want them together. And we've seen that trope played out 
so many times in so many different movies. And this one is different in the sense that there are these other layers to them. And, and again, in having this conversation with you about it, I'm starting to peel these layers apart and, and kind of get to the heart of, of what this movie is about. I'm still not quite there yet. And, and adding, and something that stood out, I know I haven't even answered my, you lost me yet, yet but talking about okay. the father, the father being a criminal, one thing that I thought was really interesting. And, and this scene, for some reason, I was thinking about this a few for a bit after I watched the movie this time around was the scene with the two lawyers when they're mm-hmm. bargaining what his sentence is going to be. And it was so interesting watching this unfold as opposed to having the dramatic courtroom drama scene. Yeah, I actually loved that scene. Yeah, I did too. Because I feel like it's probably so realistic. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was something, and I think the reason why I was thinking about that scene was because to me that felt very realistic. And maybe, and maybe that's, what Cameron Crowe was going for. He wasn't going for the Hollywood stereotypical boy meets girl film. He was going for something that was pretty real. Like you said, that that really intense young first love and then the breakup that doesn't make any sense to anybody because it's just what happens when you're that age. My lost me at, you lost me at, um, and I don't know if we get a point for this because my you lost me at was why did Diane break up with Lloyd? I don't know if that counts as us mm. having the same answer. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, I was going to say, sorry, just jumping back to mine yeah, for one yeah. second or just sort of the whole criminal dad in a, in general mm-hmm. I did read it and who knows because it's on the internet so it's probably not true right. but that the producer <laughs> said he was inspired by that like inspired for that storyline because he saw a man walking with his daughter and then wondered what would happen if the father committed a crime right oh yeah I remember reading that yeah which I mean uh, is so random so I sort of feel like that fits with the movie of like oh oh you're making a movie about this I've got an idea for you to add to the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Let's add a love story. (laughs) And that's the thing. I think that's what, I think that's where I'm struggling this time around. I don't know if the movie is about Diane's relationship with her father or if it's about Diane's relationship with Lloyd. Is it a father daughter film or is it a boy meets girl film? Because I think that there are, I think that the film is really balanced in telling those two stories, mm-hmm. you know, like from the very beginning, we learn that Lloyd has this major crush on Diane, but we also see how supportive her father is of her and we see how close they are. And we continue to see the dynamic of both of those relationships as the movie continues as the plot starts to unfold so I I guess for me I feel like it's two stories being told simultaneously and I'm not quite sure what the focus is supposed to be and I'm wondering if people anybody who's listening to this is like Gina you're a fucking idiot it's about this like what am I I, missing I doubt that but I think just in this moment I think it's a film about a young woman navigating her next step in life 
navigating it around two men. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. That should have been my summary. Damn it. I like that. Let's start over. Let's start the episode over. Because you know what, Sonia? I've always thought that this movie was about Lloyd Dobler. But I think this time around, I realized, I think this movie is about Diane Court. I think so too. Yeah. And I think that's what's been messing me up. Yeah. Lloyd is, is he's a, he's a central character, but I, I think, I think maybe she's the center of gravity of this whole movie. I think I have a homework assignment for you. I think you should try to watch it again between now and our next recording Mm -hmm. and watch it knowing she's the main character. Okay. And then we can do like a really short bit in the beginning of the next episode. I like this homework assignment. Mm -hmm. I will do it. Okay. 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 You had me at. Um, I mentioned this before. I think the film did a really great job of of showing what it's like to fall in love, Mm -hmm. Um, especially to fall in love with somebody that you have known your whole life, presumably, or at least known for three years, three years that we've been in school together, but you never really knew them. Um, So it's almost like discovering new things about somebody that you feel like you should know. Um, I think I think the film did a great job of that. Oh, I like that. My, my you had me at was, I, I said the guy versus girl friend group dynamic. Because one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when Lloyd talks to the guys at the gas and sip after he, after Diana's broken up with him. Yep. And he's, and, he, and like we, the, the preface to that scene is he's, you know, he's recording his message to Corey I'm not quite sure why he's doing that, by the way. He's Felicity, anyway. that's why. Okay. <laughs> and, and he says, you know, I need to, I hang out with girls too much. I need to hang out with guys. And then, and, and then the, all the guys are like, uh, their, their advice is just so ridiculous, but it's so funny. And I love when the part where Lloyd is talking to Joe and Joe is like, name any girl, I will make it happen. I will get her for you. And he's like, Diane Court. And Joe, Joe's like, dude, I can't, I can't do it. I can't make it happen. But in the background, we've got the rest of them rapping <laughs> and they're just sort of all over the place. Or when Jeremy Piven's character says, you oh, I got hurt once, man. I got hurt real bad. Never want to go through that again. And they're like, man, you're bringing me down. You know, and they're just like. That was a hilarious scene. That scene is so funny. But then anytime Lloyd is talking to Corey in DC, it's very personal and he can open up and he can be honest with him about how he feels. And I I love that we have that juxtaposition of the Mm -hmm. female versus male support network. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Oh, um, my, my, yeah, my runner-up was the iconic boombox scene. Not me. Lost. <laughs> um, okay, my favorite line is so random. It is the guy who. It's from the guy who throws the party at the beginning. That I don't know if it's Valerie. It's how you say. That's another one of those lines that John Cusack totally was mumbling when he was inviting Diane out. Yeah. Like By I. The way, to, oh yeah. Do you know who plays him? It's Eric Stoltz. Yeah. From Pulp Fiction. Yes. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I know. Ding. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, yes. It's great. Sorry. Cut you no, off. No, I'm very excited. I was just going to say John Cusack was 
mumbling that line. So then it was also, I had to like, it took me a while to pick the drink too. Cause I didn't realize he had said a drink mm-hmm. in that part anyway. So the line is at the, like at the end of the party, when um, everyone is basically on their way out and he says, you know, every year I throw this party every year, no one helps me clean up. Why am I yelling? (laughs) (laughs) And then actually, and then my runner up line is right after that. Diane says to him, like, you make a good rooster. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite line is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It's a, it's a really sad line. It's when Lloyd is talking to his sister and he says, I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. Oh, yeah, that is one of the most heartbreaking lines, I think, in cinematic history. And I'm sure people are going to be like, bitch, you don't know what you're talking about. But this line is so unbelievably sad. It is sad. Because he really does give her everything he possibly can. And she know? really did give him a pen. <laughs> she just gave him a pen. Oh, man. And I like, like you had mentioned earlier, I do like how that pen comes back when she gives it to her father, which is just cold. But um, yeah, I did have some runners up. I, I, I also like the line when she comes back to him at the dojo, which by the way, Sonia. The karate kid. The same dojo from the karate kid. Oh man. Ding. This is crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And, and she's, and she's saying that she loves him and, you know, nothing, everything means nothing to me. If I don't have you, I'll die. And, and then he says to her, are you here because you need someone or are you because you need me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that, that is a great line. line. And that's a really valid question. Yes, absolutely. And I asked that too. I was like, yeah, do you, do you just need someone or him? I yeah. mean, clearly him. I um, so. A couple other lines that I liked was, the same scene where that where your favorite line came from when uh Lloyd uh you know and, and it's Jeremy Piven's character again I, I can't remember the name of his character Mark, but yeah and he and he runs up he's like give me my keys man <laughs> and then Lloyd goes you must chill yes. you must chill <laughs> I love that too yeah <laughs> and back to the scene at the gas and sip when Lloyd is talking to the guys about what happened and they ask him, where did she break up with you? And he says, in my car. And they're like, oh. And then you hear one of them say, ditched in the Malibu. I don't know why. That line cracks me up every time. They're all hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. Oh, man. Yeah. That just like rips your heart in half. Yeah, that's rough. And he's so sad and he's getting rained on. Mm-hmm. Poor John Cusack. Okay, Gina. Well, we scored three points. Hey! I know. So we're at 30. This is awesome. Uh-huh. 10 more points and you get to pick the movie. Um, yeah. 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 For really? a second, I thought we had to hit 50. So I was like, that math's not right. But it was, I'm not right. No, but we did talk about when we hit 50, letting our listeners decide. Yes. So. So we'll have to think about that. Yeah, we'll have to come up with a with a list or figure out how we're going to get people to mm-hmm. choose the movie for us. Yeah. We've got a little bit of time. Yeah, we can figure it out. Or maybe no time at all. Maybe within the next three episodes, we'll hit 40. And I know, right? 
So, and we hit, we, we got 10 points within what, three episodes? Yeah, we're, we've been doing really well lately. I know. But that just, you know, that means a slump's coming. No, stop it. Don't say <laughs> it. Oh, don't jinx us. <laughs> okay. So we're moving on from say anything. Mm-hmm. And since uh, we had mentioned that we are still in this beautiful summer weather, but by the time this episode airs, we will be in October. And by the time our next episode airs, we will be approaching the end of October, which will be more of a Halloween season, if you will. So Sonia, I decided that we should watch a spooky movie. (gasps) That was spooky. You like spooky movies? Um, I do. Okay. So the next movie that we're going to be watching is, drumroll please, Poltergeist. Oh my God. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and just to, just to clarify, it's the Poltergeist from 1982. Oh, is there a remake? I guess there was because when I searched it up just to make sure that we could find it streaming mm-hmm. which we can it's on hbo max okay you have that um that but and i i there was like another one from like 2016 or something I like kinda, that that sort of sounds familiar oh i'm scared okay well what's <laughs> it about sonia um okay um there's a family that lives in a house and there's a poltergeist and I know there's a scene where there's like a woman in a body of water and there's like bones in it. And apparently the bones were real, by the way. So spoiler alert for the next episode. Um, But then the kid is hugging the TV and she says, they're coming. And then there's also a bad curse on the whole film. And a lot of the actors had bad times. I can't wait to read that back to you. <laughs> Did that go in a direction you weren't expecting? I, you said so many fun things. I, I just can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. So that's going to be, that'll be our next movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I strongly suggest watching it in the dark no. by yourself. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need someone to hold me. Oh, well, Jacob can hold you and Sean. Yeah. All right. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm scared. Uh, okay, I'm good. I love scary movies, but like they scare me. So yeah, I mean, it's okay. I'm excited to watch this. I'm just going to be scared. I totally get it. It's like, you like the thrill of being scared, but you don't want to be scared. Yeah. Because then yeah. I do the thing where I think about it yeah. for a long time. And then, yes. <laughs> then I'm like also scared of the dark. So. I know. Oh my gosh. Did you ever see the Blair Witch Project? Yeah, but that didn't scare me. Oh, that scared the crap out of me. Oh, the last scene where they're facing oh, the wall. Yeah, that is creepy. I had nightmares about that. Yeah, that was creepy. And then I didn't like walking around in the dark anywhere for a long time. That's fair. Yeah, I yeah, I get that. Okay, well, okay. we'll see if this movie. I I'm curious to see if this movie is still scary because okay. I think the last yeah, time I, guess I saw it, it could be. If it's like really <laughs> dated, it might not be so scary. Right, it might it might not be so scary. Maybe it'll just be more funny than scary. But we'll yeah. see. We'll just have to wait and see until the next time. And that's the end of our episode. 
So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at NNSIPod. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends. They can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Like and subscribe and all the things. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about poltergeist. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening. And we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye.